This is the Gambling Gauchos. I'm tipping, wood grain, I'm gripping, catch me lying, switching with the paint dripping. Turn your neck and your day ain't missing. Me and Slim, we ain't tripping. I'm figure flipping and sir sipping like do or die, I'm pole pimping. Car stop, rims keep spinning. I'm flipping, drop with invisible tops. Hoes bobble my drop, step out. I'm shaking the block with 418s. Candy green with 11 screens. My gasoline, I'll waste supreme. Got Dodo the brand with a pain of lean. It tastes grinding to be a king. Welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. Uh, just special respects to uh, Mike Jones. H time. Who? Hold it down. Mike Jones. Um, he replaces our normal music. Back to normal music on Wednesday, but H town, man. What's your favorite song about North Carolina? Ooh, uh, James Taylor. Copperline. What's that one? Do you like Copperline by James Taylor? I don't know that one. Oh, brutal. That, that's that's the song of the week. Was it like North Carolina in my mind or something? No, there's a place in North Carolina called Copperline. No, no, but the other one is... Uh, yeah, he grew up in North Carolina. Right, there's a lot of songs about it. Yes. But what's the one I'm thinking of? Copperline is the best one. Right, but what, what is the one I'm thinking of? I need you to remember the one I'm thinking of. I don't know. In my mind? Anyway. I'm going to Carolina. Heads Carolina, tails California. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. This is the Gambling Couchos. Um, <laughs> Texas Tech won. Okay. Yeah. Texas Tech won. Not going to complain about the win. Um, Kind of tongue-in-cheek after the game, I said I was like, uh, oh, Matt Wells would have lost that game. And I do believe that. Um, that is a sack-up by Donovan Smith that you just haven't seen much. Um, you saw it at I- Iowa State against Iowa State last year, but who was the coach? You got beat up for a couple of tweets. I don't know, beat up. Two people disagreed with the Matt Wells tweet. Well, there was that one, and then somebody was like, don't you ever compare Donovan Smith to Patrick Mahomes ever again. Took, oh. took that tweet like really seriously. Well, he threw a pick right after that, and I was like, oh, man. Oops. <laughs> but he that third and 20, that third and whatever, third and 15 that he ran for, yep. that was Patrick Mahomes-esque. Sure. Yeah, I, mean, I can get on board. I, I, I think that people on Twitter sometimes, there's no room for nuance. You know what else was Patrick Mahomes-esque? What? The deep ball pick. You know what else was Patrick Mahomes-esque at Texas Tech? The pick six. Patrick did all of that. I just, think, I just think people can't, there's no room for nuance. Like one play can't look like Patrick Mahomes without you saying that Donovan is the greatest quarterback of all time in, in their minds. Well, a lot of Chiefs Patrick Mahomes highlights have clouded the judgment of Texas Tech Patrick Mahomes because he still made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, here. I'm just saying how, how I think that was perceived by oh, somebody on Twitter. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And... In no way was I calling him Patrick Mahomes. I was just saying that keeping his eyes downfield and finding space and being just fast enough to get a first down because he didn't get a big gain. He just got a first down, and that's exactly what Patrick tries to do. So we're going to talk takeaways from the game. Donovan, I think is I think his performance is certainly going to be the subject of a lot of our conversation. Sure. Since we're already there, you want to just start there? Yeah, let's jump into I it. I guess depending on where you got the – both the total and the spread, you may have won, you may have lost, you may have pushed, because 
fluctuated right around the final score. You know, it opened even at some books. Sometimes it was tech below three. And so if you had one of those numbers, congrats, you covered. Other times it was four, four and a half. Um, and then you could have pushed if you got it at three. You got it at three dead even. The total, I think, really early was like something like 59 and a half. And then other times, I think I saw it as high as 65 in some places. Yep. I got and it again. At- I got it at 63 and a half. Yeah. I got it at 62 and a half on action. So anyway. Nice. Um, so people are going to dispute when, when I publish every updated big 12 teams record against the spread and against the other, be like, no tech didn't go over or, you know, whatever, but it, that this is the, well, you can play it against your consensus graphic that you open the week with. Right. Yeah. And people will, well, gripe. people gripe about everything. Yeah, no, it's, just like they're I'm just gripping about it is what it is. Oh, Matt, which Matt Wells lost? All of them. I'm well, not going to say who and I lost didn't, that. Hey, I love Don Williams. <laughs> Respect the heck out of Don Williams. Yeah, but his his rebuttal was yeah. he was obfuscating. Yes, he, he was, was like, well, they, they Matt Wells beat this Houston team last. You specifically said this game, right? And this game was not last year's game. No. So anyway, I think he knows this, what he was doing there. But. This game was kicking a field goal on second down and. Yeah. So Donovan Smith, let's start there, and then let's get to the other takeaways. So immediately after the game, people are texting me. Who's starting next week? Who's starting next year? When Shuck comes back, who's starting then? Well, next week is the only one I'll answer, and that's Donovan Smith. And I I also tweeted after the game, the, the Dumb and Dumber joke, you did this and this and this and then totally redeemed yourself because he did. To win that game, nothing else matters. You can work on everything else. You can work on not throwing it directly to the defense. You can work on not chunking it with a minute left when you could hold the ball and punt or something else. Though it probably was better that that guy caught it and not Tank Dell on a punt because he could have returned that. Um, but I think Donovan Smith, for for what he is, had a pretty good game because you won and made some huge plays. I'll tell you, it might be a hot take. I watched the game live. I re- I've rewatched it twice. I've rewatched the offense twice, rewatched the defense once. Yeah. I, I came away incredibly encouraged by Donovan Smith's performance. I, Me too. I loved 85% of what I saw. Me too. And I know that somebody looking like, what are you talking? Because I saw the same thing. When is Shuck coming back? Why don't yep. they put Barron in? He made some bad decisions, and that can be corrected with some coaching, some experience. The physical tools of what he needs to be a good quarterback and to win games, it is there in spades. I think some of the blame – um, could be ascribed to Kitley. I think some of it could be ascribed to the offensive line, some of it to the receivers. We could debate who gets the blame where, and, and, and Donovan bears the brunt of some of that as well. Sure. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. It, you know, it's a, it's a team game. The, the, the three picks were bad. The very first one when he was throwing a slant to Miles Price, it, it was a horrible decision. It was such a bad decision that Miles Price assumed he was not getting the ball, so he stopped right. his route. Had Miles Price been trying to make a play on the ball, I think he would have obstructed the defender, and that's more likely incomplete than a pick six. Yeah, Donovan should not have thrown that, but I guarantee you in the film room they're saying, Miles, what? 
Like, yeah. why'd you cut? A, why'd you stop running? B, why'd you cut off your route? C, why did you even step on the field if you aren't going to play hard? Right. The other one, loaf. the other one that you alluded to, just kind of heaves it deep on third and long, instead of taking what he could get with his feet, checking it down, throwing it out of bounds. Again, these are things that are going to come up in film. He's going to be coached up on that, and right. you hope that he makes better decisions going forward. I didn't see a ton of stupid decisions when he was getting the bulk of the playing time at the end of last season, so I don't think this is a pattern quite yet, which also eases some of my nerves. And then the third pick helped me. Rem- the middle one, it was to Mason Tharp in the third quarter. I think that was actually the first That's pick. That's right, and, and that was a bad decision. He was bracketed. He had a guy over the top and a guy underneath. It's a bad throw. Him. I Now, I rewatched the game today. I did not see that play. Yeah, it was... Uh, he just wasn't open. He had a defender underneath the man over the top. And I get that Tharp is an enticing target as big as he is. And right. maybe had he thrown it higher, it would have not been picked off. But he was covered. It wasn't a good choice. And that one hurt because you were you were driving. And that was my frustration watching the game was you had opportunity after opportunity to put it away to extend the lead. And a lot of times when you cross, the, when you cross midfield, when you got into the 40, 30, you miss a field goal, turn it over on downs drop a pass in the end zone, all that. But getting back to the positives, well, I guess let me put a ball on the negatives first. There were too many designed runs for Donovan, and I I ran the numbers on this. Hang on, let me pull this up because I think this will be interesting to people. Yeah, and if you go with the, what, 60-something pass attempts and the design runs, it was Donovan's game. So Donovan, this is before overtime – and not counting the kneel down before the field goal when they were just trying to center the ball. Ten designed runs for 25 yards, three scrambles for 53 yards, and all of that excludes sacks. So to me, it's clear Donovan is much better just naturally taking what is there if a passing play breaks down than trying to run quarterback draw, quarterback sweep. And you got what you needed to on some of those on fourth and one or, or third and one or whatever. But I just, if you want to run the ball, hand it to Taj. That fourth and three, man, when he slips. He might have been gone if he doesn't slip. There was, mm. there was a defender there, yeah. but with as much momentum as he had, if he could have shaken that. And here's why I say just give the ball to Taj if you want to run it. Houston, outstanding against the run versus UTSA. We covered that in our preview. They were really good against the run versus you as well. UTSA's biggest asset running the ball against Houston was their quarterback scrambling, just like that was probably when they got gashed the most when they came to Lubbock this weekend was when Donovan took off with it. But here's how running backs have fared against Houston this season through two full games. Running backs not named Taj Brooks. So Sir Roderick and all of UTSA's guys, 46 carries for 79 yards. That's 1.7 yards per carry. Is that good? No touchdowns. No, that's horrible. Houston versus Taj Brooks this season, 18 carries, 88 yards, 4.4 yards per carry in a touchdown. Now, 4.4 yards per carry is not necessarily something to write home about, but when you're... But that's plus three point what? Yeah, when, when, when you're two and a half yeah. times better than anybody else against the defense, I would have liked to have seen Taj take five of those designed quarterback runs for Donovan and just... Because he's, I mean, as good of a runner as Donovan is, Taj is better equipped to get to the second level. And once he's there, he's extremely dangerous. So I think you need to force feed Taj, even if the run game as a whole isn't there. And Donovan and, and Sir Roderick struggled to get things going. But but Taj, he's a guy that needs his touches. I think he should get 20 touches every game, no matter what. And if you told me he had 18 
carries a touchdown and you won 33 to 30, I would have said, all right, good. But you could have given him more. 25 maybe. And I think maybe you need to find a running back that if you want to put a running back out there and throw to him, then put Xavier White in the backfield or Nehemiah Martinez in the backfield or Blake Bedwell in the backfield. Um, Because while Taj Brooks and Strajic Thompson are really good running the ball, neither of them are good receiving threats unless they catch it, you know, open and in space swinging or with Sir Roderick just standing at the sideline already and then able to make a move. Yeah. I think that puts a bow on any negatives I saw from Donovan. He, he missed a couple throws. He missed Nehemiah down the sideline late in the third quarter. Yeah. If he hits him at the touchdown and surely you avoid overtime. He threw another one deep down the left sideline that maybe could have been picked off. I think he was targeting Fungi. But all in all, like I said, there were other throws. He made this throw about eight times where the ball is on one hash and he throws a dart to the opposite sideline yeah. that probably never gets higher than about nine feet off the ground. There was one to Cleveland early, uh, a couple to Fungi. Yep. And that is an elite throw. Yes. There are yes. a lot of quarterbacks starting in the Power Five that cannot make that throw, and especially not eight times a game. There's a couple NFL quarterbacks that can't make that <laughs> yeah. throw. So, so I see that the the touchdown to Nehemiah in the second quarter is a dart over the middle. It's not in coverage, but it's it's through the zone. So he made throws like that. I was like, dang, this this kid can play, and he needs to get it right between the ears. But what I loved is, like you said, he sacked up and won the game. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to go mope because I threw yeah. a second interception. He said, all right, let's go to OT and win the freaking thing, and he did. He threw he threw a back breaking interception to end the game with with fans with, left. Yes. With what, 42 seconds left? It was, it was a little all, more than a minute, I think. It, well, that's when they kicked the field goal, yeah. I guess, because it was 37 when he took back over. Mm-hmm. I think it was a minute 02 when it landed in the guy's hands. Yeah. Dana, you dumbass. What are you doing throwing the ball twice? Thank you. I mean, thank you. Um, and there were moments where I was like, Dana, you, you do you not want to win this game? But there's also a couple moments where I'm like, Joey... <laughs> Do you not want to win this game? The the okay, so oh, the last minute of the game throws the pick, game over, people are leaving. Um, a big run by Brandon Campbell. They could have run it two more times, they didn't. They threw two incomplete passes, kicked the field goal at 37. You take back over. Uh, one of the either the first plays, that huge run. He goes 27 yards. Where the punk Shoulders them out of bounds. I mean, can you imagine stepping up and doing that right after throwing the pick? And then to throw two more dots, and then Joey's like, all right, just get it down the middle of the field. Yeah. <laughs> With 11, so you could have thrown one more. Well, and Jaron Bradley, he dropped that touchdown. Oh, man. And he comes back on fourth and 20. In overtime. Again, after you've decided, you've basically said, eh, we don't want to win this game about 20 times to this point. And he makes a, a great yeah. play in conversion on fourth and 20. Yes. Like you said with your, I know what you meant with your Matt Wells tweet. Previous teams were not strong enough between the ears right. to get over all those mistakes that happened prior and then bounce back and win the game. Any team can have a bad game. You lost that game five times. 
any team can blow a game. Yeah. An elite and tough team can come back and actually salvage the game like this one did. An elite and tough mentally team. Yes. Now, I don't think you're elite physically yet. No, I'm, I mean... I know what you mean. Yeah. You're not going to be 12-0 and 0 because you won this game, but I think that the, this coaching staff is really good. And to remain calm and to remain poised... Uh, I mean, think of everyone who made a big mistake. All of them redeemed themselves in that game. Caleb Rogers was getting destroyed early. It was bad. Like uh, early and middle and late. Well, yes, but on a few plays late, he really got good blocks and he fought the whole game. Um, now, I'll say this you're not going to play a bunch of teams. With Houston's front, but you're going to play four more, at least. And I think I think there are ways to better scheme around that. You tried a couple screens, and yeah. you, you didn't execute well at all. There was one, I can't remember what quarter it was, but it's a screen. Right. By design, you're supposed to let them through, and then your offensive line is supposed to get downfield and block. They throw it incomplete. I think it was to Roderick was the back, because Houston blows it up. And there's three offensive linemen still. Right battling their guy in the back. I'm like, what are you doing? Just release him and get out of the way. Get downfield. And the other thing that might have been my biggest gripe, going back to the play calling, there was no effort to move the pocket with Donovan. I was like, hey. You saw some sprint outs and whatever else last week. Let's do this three or four times. A bootleg, a sprint out, even just a shuffle on like a fake jet sweep to kind of get him moving sideways a little bit. There was no effort to do that, and you needed to. as, As badly as your offensive line was getting beat in pass pro, when you saw some some plays last week where you're pulling guards and setting up the pocket with the pulled guard, um, but you you can't really do that when a there's pressure in the C gap and b your left tackle's getting massacred um, because if you're moving the pocket anyways, it's just a little tougher. Now back in the backfield. Um, and move the pocket and and do that, but can you commit that many and still get guys open? The play call that you were talking about, the 4th and 21. All right, so let's just go to the first overtime um, because to get there is what it is. I think we've already talked about a lot of points to get there. So once you're in overtime, penalty, and then you push him back even further, uh, and then second down, they get back to three. And I'm sitting up in the press box. I'm sitting up in the press box. I'm like, hey, there's nobody on Tank Dell. I was losing my mind. I don't know what was going on. They motioned Dell over. Yeah. And you had Creshawn Merriweather spying him. There was already one receiver. There was only one receiver to the boundary on that side, and they moved Dell to that side of the field. So you had a corner over top of the receiver that was already there. And the linebackers, they see Dell go in motion, and they start waving to the corner like – to move in and cover Dell. Yeah. And the corner's like, I'm standing in front of yeah. another receiver. Like, we need another guy out here. Right. And just nobody followed Dell, so they throw him a quick pass. The quick receiver out. blocks the corner one-on-one, and he gets 18 of the 20 they needed, or whatever it was. I'm sitting there, I can see it up in the stands, and I'm not an yeah. X's nose genius, especially not on defense. But I know you have to have a hat on a hat, yeah. especially when it's their best player. Yeah. And look, you won – I'm not complaining a bunch, and the defense played really well. Defense, I, I could probably count the grabs I have the defense on one hand. It was that play. 
Well, they got gashed on a couple screens. Yeah. And there was an OPI on Dell that went uncalled. That was the biggest play they gave up yes. all game. Yes. Other than that, they forced two turnovers. They they got dealt a pretty crappy hand on multiple instances, whether it was yep. an offensive turnover or a bad special teams breakdown. Well, their first, gets field, the ball. their first field goal, the Houston got the ball inside the 40. That's where they always got the ball. That's yeah. that's where they always scored from. I mean, is you know, they start at the 25 and you hold them to a field goal. That's as good as you can ask for. Twice. Mm-hmm. Twice. And one of them was a missed field goal. So the, the defense, I, I really have zero complaints. They didn't get to tune as much as I yeah. thought they could, but I think that's because they were playing contain. He had yeah. negative rushing yards. He never once really made one of those back-breaking runs that he's pretty well known for. Yeah, the the only because all of that uh, I can handle. The only gripe I have was that Dell was not followed mm-hmm. all the time. And I, you're are you in zone? Probably follow him. <laughs> like, the, the, and look, I they had a concerted effort, and you could see it. Um, we're going to make Houston beat us, and we're not going to focus on any one player. They might should have focused on Dell, but hey, you won. It you was. Won. It was OPI on Dell, right? When he turned around and shoved uh, Rabbit? Yeah, that was OPI. I felt like I was taking crazy pills. I saw it live. Yeah. And nobody around me reacted. I was like, okay, maybe I'm alone in this opinion. I didn't see it live. And I watched it on the broadcast. And uh, Tillman and Brando are arguing. They're like, well, he didn't really fully extend the arm. And I'm, I'm sitting there watching it, and his arm is fully extended. Yeah. Like, what do you mean his arm isn't fully extended? If Brando, guy move off if of him. Brando thinks it was OPI against Texas Tech, it was. I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. But late um, in overtime, so, and then you give up the screen that he runs just through 17 guys, it looks like, <laughs> runs through one guy six times. Uh, and then it's like, okay, now it's over. <laughs> Batter Tech fan, now it's over. No way they score. And then you get pushed back just like they do, except you don't convert. Donovan takes a sack. Uh, design run, sack, and then on fourth down, blouses, best design play of the day. So it's mesh with your two best receivers right now, Fungi and Bradley. But the mesh is hidden because it's stacked to the right and diamond to the left. You're basically going defense and pushing vertical to get rid of the linebackers. And then at the mesh point, the guy standing there that could have made the play because Donovan escapes and gets right, he forces up, and there's nobody within 20 yards of Bradley. And he continues running because he's smart and makes up for probably not even a bad drop, but just a brutal moment to drop something early in the game. Uh, really impressed with that play call. There was another one early where the, you get in dime. Oh, uh, the Miles Price touchdown play. Whew. Chef's kiss. That's another stacked um, built-in rub that I love. And there's stuff built into Kitley's playbook that is really, really dynamite. Um, I think he got too focused on using Donovan and not focused on letting Donovan play. We're recapping Texas Tech vs. Houston from the Cardinals Sports Center studio. I showed up to a tailgate about an hour before kickoff. Yeah. It was insane. People were like, okay, so here's, let me back up. I was wearing my It's All West Texas shirt from Cardinals. I've worn that shirt around town about three, four times by now. Right. Nobody really has said anything. I get to this tailgate, they're like, hey, are you are you the gambling gauchos? I said, I'm one of them. And they're like, yeah, parlay picadors. And this lady wanted to come like take her picture with me. And yeah. she's like, I take your picture with this cardboard cutout of Joy. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Did you feel like a celebrity? 
kind of were like, I was like, what is going on here? Um, so anyway, people love that shirt. I was wearing the it's a great shirt, the black Gauchos hat. They've also got that in white from Cardinals. You can get it at mycardinalsports.com. Yeah, you can order online. Go check them out in Plano or here in Lubbock. And uh, they got other stuff too, not just Gauchos merch, but all your Texas Tech merchandise needs. To put a bow on the defensive discussion, the scoreboard was 20-20 after regulation. Yeah. Seven of that was a pick six, so your defense gave up 13 points. If you do that in Big 12 play. Houston is not a bad offense. No. You're, you're going to face worse quarterbacks than Clayton Toon. You're going to face less dynamic receiving cores than Houston's. They're, they're really comparable to the top half of the Big 12. In my opinion, I, they're better than I thought they were. So your defense gave up 13 points. Six of those were drives that started in field goal range, and they bowed up and only allowed a field goal. Yeah. The other seven was set up by what I thought was OPI. That's it. Well, and you know, when you're, when you're playing a, a regional rivalry that's a step down from you that you're looking at and they want to come in and prove, there's some of that too. So the, the defense, I was encouraged. Uh-huh. There's an old saying the biggest improvement comes between games one and game two. I think there's also a philosophical debate. Is Houston game one or is Murray State game one? Because you don't really get a real look. But after Murray State, my number one concern was the secondary. Asked and answered so far. Yeah. They played as well as I could have realistically imagined. Now my number one concern is offensive line. We'll see if they make a leap from Houston to NC State. At the end of, well, when they kicked the field goal, just Texas Tech fan hat on. Uh, I was out on the season. <laughs> like, all right, you just don't have it this year. I I believe in the staff. I think the staff will be good. Um, it's going to take a recruiting class or two. At the end of regulation, I'm like, okay. Well, I don't know. Let's just see overtime. At the end of the first half of the first overtime, all right, yeah, we're okay. <laughs> I, it's over. And then at the end of the game, I I don't know, I'm more encouraged after the Houston game. To pull that out, um, I, I have more faith in Donovan today than I did before the Houston game. I do. And I, I think Kitley will figure it out. Um, I think Kitley's... Kitley might face better defenses... And maybe one more better defensive coordinator. I think Houston has the best defensive coordinator that you'll face the rest of the year. Maybe besides NC State, maybe besides Baylor. Got a question for you related to that. Uh huh. You played with a lot of tight ends. Looking back on it, I'm not exactly sure why. They were very rarely targeted in the past game. You weren't really committed to running with anybody besides Donovan until pretty late in the game when you started feeding Taj. And even then, you weren't extremely effective using the tight ends as extra blockers. On the other hand, I thought Xavier White played a pretty good game. I thought Nehemiah Martinez played a great game. Are you better off pairing Miles Price and Nehemiah Martinez or Brady Boyd or Xavier White in the other slot rather than insisting on having a tight end? Brady Boyd might be... Uh, as good a blocker as any of the tight ends. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I'm wondering. In space, if, for sure. If your offensive line is struggling to create a push in the run game, is it better to spread it out and face fewer in the box 
and 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 roll the dice with Taj getting to that second level and making a play than it is to keep putting one or two tight ends in the game if you're if that's not working. And they're not going to be involved in the pass game. Yeah, you look, we get to watch um one angle. Right. And we get to watch the TV version of that angle. Um I trust Zach Kitley to watch this film and grade himself harshly and to make adjustments. We'll see. I, I just yeah. think, I think that's one adjustment that might be considered. Oh, yeah. And maybe they still think they have a personal advantage with the tight ends, and they think, you know what? We didn't use them en- enough. We're going to use them more next time, and that could also work. When Tharp, it was just a thought of mine. I was like, you know yeah. what? It'd be great if Miles Price and Nehemiah were on the field at the same time. Yes. More, more, more frequently. More. Yeah. And Nehemiah Martinez earned snaps. Yeah, he, this week he played a great game, and you're not going to take Miles Price off the field to put Nehemiah on the field. He's still so he still has not been overly involved. We have not. I don't think we've really scratched the surface of Miles Price yet no, you, in this you, offense. You schemed for him more this game. Um, again, that that play he scored on, and I know they tripped each other, but to to put him in a stack and just let him get a free run off the line of scrimmage is brilliant couple special teams questions for you. Yeah, okay. Are you done with the game? Because then we can just... Mostly. Okay. All right. Yeah, it, this is mostly philosophical stuff going forward. Because this will be my my final thoughts will be the, but it, the special teams It stems units. from the game, though. Right. Kicking, I say stick with Trey Wolf. Now, you said, I'm yeah, not trying to one. question you, but you said that it was a planned switch and that they didn't switch just because Trey Wolf missed the field goal. Right. But, but he kicked a short field goal early in the game, made it. They sent him back out for the 48-yarder, and he missed it. Gino did not get a kick in between. True. True. I think he was not benched, but I think they said, okay, he missed. We're going to give Gino a shot. Yeah. Gino missed, and they put Trey Wolf back in. He makes the one that sends it to overtime. I'd, I'd just stick with him. Somebody needs to win the job. And I think Trey Wolf nailing it twice, I think, from 47. Did he make the first one? I couldn't I, tell. I couldn't tell either. And they didn't show it on the broadcast. Um, but – Yes. Pick pick one, and I think Trey Wolf. People forget Trey Wolf was one of the best kickers in Texas Tech history his freshman year in 2019. He started really strong. Like 19 of 20 as a freshman, mm-hmm. or 19 of 22 or something. He was 90%, he I think. He had a great season. Uh, I guess that would be 18 of 20-ish. But... One of the top seasons in Texas Tech history, and then he just got the yips as a sophomore, but he has the talent. I think I think mentally it's a huge deal for that position to come back from a missed one, a lot like the rest of the team. You know, Donovan made his errors, Jaron Bradley made his errors, the O-line made their errors. They all came back and won the game. Trey Wolf missed a kick that was in a pretty crucial spot, came back and made another one to send it to overtime. I think he's... In my opinion, he's won the job, and he should. I, well, I, I don't Wolf, like switching anymore. I don't want him thinking, "Oh, if I go miss it, then I'm going to get benched for Geno." He's the kicker for every single kick next game, unless he goes zero for three and you need a fourth right. field goal. I think you just stick with him at this point. I like that. I like that. The other special teams thought I had pretty disappointed. Uh, two more special teams thoughts. Pretty disappointed uh-huh. that Dell returned one for a touchdown, even if it didn't count. Yes, luckily they roughed the punter. Glad Austin McNamara is okay because punters it, can get pretty banged up on those plays. There were several punt returns that were bad for you and good for them. Yes, and that was the other thing is you lost, I don't know how many total yards of field position 
by pretty much just refusing to field a lot of those punts. And you can call it a bad bounce, a lucky bounce, but when it happens three times in a game and your offense starts inside the 20 instead of at the 35 or 40, that's a problem. That's the equivalent of losing two first downs on that drive. Yeah, another way to get Nehemiah Martinez on the field is to have him return punts. He had a really good kick return. Um, and I get putting Adrian Fry out there. He's a veteran. Mm-hmm. Has returned punts in games for a lot of seasons now. Years. He's been the on and off punt returner. Nothing I've seen makes me want to see him more in that role. The number one thing is, you know, hey, you don't need to be a guy like Dell who's a threat to take to the house, but you need to field it cleanly and not fumble it. But you also can't just let it bounce and then it rolls 20 yards. And again, you lose basically two first downs. Yeah. It's like it's like starting your offensive possession with a 15-yard penalty or something. I would give Drew Hocutt or Nehemiah Martinez or one of these guys who's not going to play a bunch, hey, go to the jugs machine, catch a 1,000 punts, and that is your role. I mean, if they're going to play anyways, unless you want to redshirt Drew Hocutt, which I don't think you can, you might be able to. Uh, you're certainly not redshirting Nehemiah at this point. Just give them that role. And, uh, yeah, you have to be better there. When's the last time you had, a, like, a good dynamic punt returner? Tyreek Hill? Did they? What? When's the last time? Not Tyreek Hill. Jakeem Grant? I was like. Jakeem Grant? I was sorry. like, you mean at Texas Tech? Or? I, was, I was listening. That's I was, what I was going to say. I, I think just watched too many football games today. I think Jakeem Jakeem Was Jakeem the last bit. one? Yeah. Then they they moved him though. He only returned kicks for the latter part of his career, which he was also really good at. Yeah, I don't know. I just okay. I want to revisit some prop bets that we had before the game. Okay, Donovan over under three hundred sixty five total yards. You and I both said over, and he hit it. Yes, was he three eighty? I, I think on the last play he went over. Last play of overtime. Nice. So I'm gonna pat myself on the back here as far as setting that number. Turned out to be pretty good. Turnover margin in Tech's favor by one, over, under, or push. I think we both took the over, and you lost the turnover battle by one. You turned them over twice, but you gave it away three times. Yeah, and I think we said we'll take three happen. Didn't. Clayton Toon will be Houston's leading rusher, yes or no. You said yes, I said no. He had negative rushing yards. Again, I think the reason you didn't sack him more was because you were more focused on containment, which... I can't complain with because the defense, like we said, balled out. I so, was impressed with Campbell. He's a good running back. And afterwards, Dana said, hey, we need him to be healthy because we don't have anyone else. <laughs> Did you watch Dana's press game, uh, post game? No, I saw like a couple clips on social, but that's it. Oof. I would not want to be his player this week, I don't think. Um, Let's see. Last uh, two more. Team sacks for Texas Tech over under four and a half. I don't – I guess I didn't note where we – what we took on that, you did not get to four and a half. Team total rush yards for Texas Tech over or under 120. I actually don't know off the top of my head. Let me look at this. It would have been close, right? If Tosh had 88 by himself, yep. the others struggled. No, Te- I think you hit that. Tex- uh, 117. Ooh, because of the sacks. All the sacks, yeah. So anyway, yeah, so Donovan's longest run was 27 yards, and he had 28 yards rushing. So basically, besides that one rush, he was negative for the day. Yeah. And that's on 20 carries, which includes the sacks and stuff. So it was pretty good props there. I 
I think yeah. we set the number pretty appropriately on yeah, nailed it pretty a few good. of those. Okay, before the season started, we re-upped with one of our sponsors, Rahino Barbecue, the best barbecue in West Texas. Follow them on social at Rahino BBQ. Their Instagram is amazing. Not only is it great food pictures, they also will let you know the schedule for their West Texas mobile food truck so you know what towns they'll be in and when. Really appreciate their support of the Gambling Gauchos. A lot of folks love them at the tailgate a couple weeks ago. If you're coming back to Lubbock for the first time in a while, a lot of times you and I get asked, hey, where should I go eat Rahino Barbecue? If they're nearby or if you got to go 45 minutes to Holton, it's worth it. Yeah. Also before the season, where I was going before that incredibly natural ad segue, I offered up a prop and said, would you take three and three going into the bye or would you roll the dice? Do you remember what you said? Yeah, I think I rolled the dice. I did too. Yeah. I think Houston is probably probably would have been the biggest toss-up game in that scenario. Had you lost to Houston, there's probably not a path to three and three. If you win against Houston, you think, okay, maybe we got a shot to do better than three and three. Based on how the first two weeks have gone, you lose your starting quarterback, based on how the team played against Houston, their first real test, based on how NC State, Texas, all these other teams have looked. I'll ask again, would you take three and three going into the bye? Or do you want to roll the dice over the next four weeks? And just a reminder to our listeners, you go at NC State, Texas comes here, then you're on the road against K-State and Oklahoma State. I would take three and three. I don't know if I would take it, but I think to some extent you're sort of playing with house money until the bye week. Yeah. You have four opportunities where if you do go one and three, I don't think anybody's down in the dumps. Because if you earn a win over any of these three teams, I think you feel really good about yourself. The back half of your schedule really sets up for you to be in a good position. The bye week is timed perfectly. It's yes. at the midway point. And you yeah. have Kansas, West Virginia, TCU, Iowa State all after the bye. Yeah, so right out all of the beatable. bye, you host West Virginia, who may or may not have an interim head coach at that point. They will. They, they lost to Kansas in Morgantown. And then you get Baylor at home. Baylor's a tough team. They lost to BYU. I think they've got some deficiencies that might have been exposed. It's in Lubbock. Then you go to Fort Worth. I don't really know what TCU is just yet, but I think that should be a competitive game unless one of these two teams surprises me. Yeah. And then you host Kansas, go to Ames, another team with potentially an interim head coach at that point if uh, Matt Campbell's gone to Nebraska. Talk about that. Another team with deficiencies, and then you host OU. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would say you have four games equally or more winnable after the bye than your next four. Is that fair to say? Yes. So if you go two and two in this in these next four, I think you absolutely feel great about that. If you go two and two and one of them is a win over Texas, because that's the home game, I'm really, really excited. Not because it's Texas, but because it's the home game. I want the I want the Jones to be yeah, nobody wins there. And and I think Joey wants that too, obviously. Um if you start 3 and 0 in the non-con and beat NC State on the road and then lose three straight in Big 12 play, I think that's more deflating than beating one of the three conference opponents. I'm doing some quick math based on FPI okay. because they give the win probability for each of these games. Right, and this one starts off at minus 9. I I got it quickly after when it moved to plus 10 and a half for hang Texas Tech. We'll talk opening lines. Oh, sorry. 
you have a 51.6% shot, let's call it a coin flip, of losing both of the next two games. Okay. So one and one, not a bad outcome, and also a somewhat likely outcome based on this. Now, going further out, so Kansas State, you've got about a one and three shot to win. You have a 35% chance to lose all of the next three. So two to one that you'll win one of the next three. And then I think Oklahoma State's going to be comparable odds. Let's see here. Yeah, they've got a 75% chance to beat you. That would come out to da, 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 a 26.2% chance that you lose the next four based on those FPI win probabilities. NC State seems like not a win because it's at NC State. Texas seems even right now. I know they went and hosted Tech. They hosted Alabama and played really well, but that's what Texas does. Texas tantalizes their fan base and then is good one week and not good the next. Um, let's see Hudson Card as the starter for two weeks and then talk about it. We talked to Ingacho's After Dark. They've yeah. played up to competition yeah. even during this decade of right. irrelevance. Yes. They beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. They've beaten OU in the Red River rivalry or gotten very close. I mean, I picked Alabama to win. I'm not trying to say, like, oh, we should have seen this coming. Right. But we've seen them play up to better competition. That was also Alabama's first true non-conference road game in yeah. I don't know how long. Uh, and you've seen Texas Tech do this stuff where you go and play a really so, good – and then you're just I, awful the next week. I'm with you. I want to see this Texas team go to Manhattan and go to Ames or you know whatever – just as far as the next two go in Manhattan, if you can get a lead early, they're not built to come from behind. No, you could absolutely beat Kansas State. I think Kansas State's the best team in the Big Twelve. You could absolutely beat them. Could be a bad matchup for them. Yes, if your style of play wins out, and if you can get some, if you can get some big plays, uh, and then Oklahoma State, they're beatable. They're beatable. It's hard to win in Stillwater. It's hard to win in Manhattan historically for Texas Tech. It's hard to beat Texas in Lubbock historically for Texas Tech. You've never beaten NC State. So you did in 1952. Sorry, put some damn. Was that on the road? On. Uh, I don't know. I, I was looking at the history of that game. The Winsapedia. They're they're four and one. They beat you twice in the 90s, twice in the early 2000s. But I guess you beat yeah. them in in 52. And oh two and oh three. You alluded to some opening lines. I did. Let's take a gander at those. Kind of the opposite of week two in terms of a bunch of close games on the slate. Week three, the closest spread is nine points. And I'm looking at Circa, their opening line. So you may yeah. have seen a different number at a different book. If you need money to pay, to place some wagers on these week three spreads, call our friends at Diversified Lenders. That's not actually what they do, but... It's the best I could come up with on the spot there. If you need money to pay your employees because you've lost wages, betting. Sure. Yeah, that's a better segue. <laughs> Give our friends at Diversified Lenders a shout, diversifiedlenders.com, Red Raider owned and operated. They will help your business get the cash it needs to operate. Let's start at the top. This is tied for the closest spread and also involves Texas Tech, like you alluded to. NC State favored by nine. That's pretty close to where I would have pegged it. And the total is 59 and a half. Yeah. Both teams escaped against a group of five opponent. Now, uh -huh. 
NC State was favored by much more against Eastern Carolina. And on the road. Earlier this season and on the road. But they did not look extremely sharp. They could be another one of those teams that, okay, maybe they were still out of the gates and there's a big jump from week one to week two. I'm going to try to take a deep dive into that game and see what happened. I think nine is an interesting number. With a total that low, you're looking at, what, about a 35-25 type game is what they're predicting? 34 to 24, yeah. somewhere in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. I could kind of see it playing out roughly in that neighborhood. So it, it, I don't I don't see anything at the opening line that makes me think, oh, that's way off. You know, I think they've got it pegged pretty well. I still think with Zach Kittley, you're not an over team. Um, but this defense is making me ponder. You're yeah. not a wonder. I'd like to see six of those Houston performances in a row. Me too. And that's what this team is going to be really hard to predict the total because the offense could score. They could get a 50 burger against any power five team. Right. The defense against Houston gave up 13, even though they were dealt a bad hand all game. But they also kind of let Murray State pretty much get that in one half without being dealt a bad hand. So Mm -hmm. which version are you going to get? Also a nine-point spread. An intriguing game for many reasons. Houston favored by nine. They're hosting Kansas, who is alone atop the Big 12 standings right now. There is one man. One man in America hoping that Kansas houses Houston. Neil Brown? Neil Brown. Neil Brown needs it. He needs Kansas to be good. Yeah, I'm the reason I'm so curious about this game is I want another data point on Houston. It'll be the third semi-legit team that Houston has played. They open with a good group of five opponent, then they play Tech. Now they look like they're playing a quickly improving Kansas team. I'm not ready to say that Kansas is like a really good all-around team, but they they beat West Virginia in Morgantown. Right. So winning a road power five game, it's impressive for whatever it's worth. So I'm watching that because I still want to know who Kansas is and I want to know how good Houston is. You know, how good was your win this weekend? Another spread that's lopsided, Baylor favored by 31 against Texas State, total 47 and a half. So they're basically predicting a lot to a little there. Yeah. Is Bavitol still there? Yeah, Texas State is not good. I might lean bounce back game for, for the Bears. Tough loss. We did, hey, one. we didn't get to recap that on the Gouchers After Dark because it finished it after. Right, yeah, we were still going in the third quarter. BYU had two kicks to win it, missed them both, is and she, then won it anyway. Is shaping good? I still think so. I was surprised at that performance. I I mean, I, I thought really highly of him coming into the season. I don't know what was going on with the play calling at the end of that game. They just refused to throw it. Shapin had a better game. No, he didn't. Donovan was better. And Donovan made the plays in overtime, and Shapin didn't. Yeah, that's fair. Now, they weren't throwing the ball. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Baylor lost some shine for me this weekend. Yeah, I, th- I think they're they're back in the category of they need to prove something finished, to yeah. me to, uh-huh. for me to put them back in that upper echelon. A team that did prove something to me, Kansas State. We covered it on Gouchers After Dark. Incredibly impressive performance on the defensive side of the ball and competent enough on offense yeah. that – they won by 28, and that was with a garbage time touchdown. Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas. I still see a lot of parity. I, now I just think West Virginia is definitely bottom rung. 
I would put those five pretty firm, and then I would put uh, Texas Tech, Iowa State, TCU, TCU and Kansas all even. TCU slight lean forward maybe, but Tech hadn't showed me anything yet. Um, I need to see. I need to see what Houston is, because it, it. I want to say they're better than I thought they were, and that makes me feel better about Texas Tech. But I would like to see them go house Kansas and really settle my mind. Kansas State, 20-point favorite versus Tulane. That yeah. total is 54-and-a-half. Okay. I feel pretty good about the under there. Yeah, I don't think Tulane will score. I don't, I don't see Tulane yeah. scoring very much at all if they can hold Missouri to 12. Yeah, it took a garbage time to get to 41, huh? To, to 12. I think I think it was 40-6. to six, and then oh, they got 52, from yeah. From 40 right. to 12. It was right snug under. Iowa State also taking a step back from a big non-con game. Congrats to them on finally beating Iowa during Matt Campbell's tenure. They are hosting Ohio as 22-point favorites, total 47.5. Yeah. Texas is hosting their... On Iowa State. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to pearl clutch. Um, Didn't love. (laughs) Didn't love their uh, celebration after the game. Did you see this? I don't think so. They're, all of their players were jawing, like chasing Iowa into the tunnel, yelling at them that they just won. It's like, they know. I see both sides of it. On one yeah. hand, if you haven't won that game in so many years, you're right. that much more thrilled about it. But on the other... Nobody on that roster had ever beaten Iowa. On the other hand, if your best argument is like, yeah, we've won one out of the last seven, it's kind of like... Right. Okay, you're still... That's why I was like, I would say act like you've been there, but they haven't. Um, But also, it's just like, I don't know. Texas. Because Matt Matt Campbell's whole thing is like culture, right? Yeah, five-star culture. Was that five-star culture? Was was it? No, that was... No, that was... That was two-star culture. No, that was we're seven and five, and winning this game is our whole season culture. Yeah, two-star culture. Yeah. Texas is hosting their system mate and future head coach, UTSA, Jeff Trailer, favored by 14. Nice even number there. Totals 55 and a half. I think I would uh, stay away from that game until the closing line, but I think Texas is good. Uh, another home game. We'll see, I think. Last game that's FBS on FBS in the Big 12. Wish this was a better game. Oklahoma goes to Lincoln. Big noon kickoff will be there because the brands, but Oklahoma's favored by 16. Nebraska just fired its head coach after losing to Georgia Southern. Total 68.5, though, so I guess we're expecting Oklahoma to put up a lot of points en route to a win over the Cornhuskers. I wish this was a top 20 matchup. Yeah. It should be, and it should be played every year. Oklahoma this season is going to play Nebraska, Texas, and Oklahoma State at least once. If they play Bedlam or UT in the Big 12 championship game, they'd get three of their top three rivals potentially four times in one season. When they move to the SEC, if they don't play Bedlam, they'll play one of those games per year. Yep. That's sad. Anyway. The AP poll is out. Over under AP is already out. Well, I guess. Or is it coaches? This says uh, 
This is from David Collier. I thought AP didn't come out till Monday. Me too. I saw the coaches poll earlier today. Well, maybe maybe they just released uh, the receiving votes, and it's not the final poll results. I don't know. It's- Anyways, David Collier says uh, the Red Raiders received 17 points in the AP poll heading into their first road game. So they're in the – Collier also didn't put in the AP poll. So uh, maybe he just has, like, the behind-the-scenes notes. Do you want to know how stupid the coaches' poll is? Um, incredibly. You're receiving 24 votes. I think that's good for, like, 35th or 37th nationally. It yeah. d- doesn't matter. The team right ahead of you is Houston. Yeah. The team you just beat head-to-head less than 24 hours ago. Right. Like, come on. I think the coaches just mail it in. Well, they voted before the game. No. No, it's after. Well, I, you think they stayed up and watched all the games? The coaches no, no, were but, voting? But they should have the final scores in front of them. There's, yeah, there's no reason they, for a team that is two and zero that just beat a one and one team to be ranked lower. Nah, double overtime on the road. That's a better team. Tech got oh lucky. God. I and, guarantee you, they filled that brat ballot out Thursday afternoon. Probably. And it's some intern. It, it it's not matter. the, it's it not the actual coach that votes. It's some intern. It doesn't that's like, matter hey, anyway. Hey, go do this vote thing for me. It doesn't matter. It's just stupid. Oh, it is certainly stupid. Any final thoughts? Um. Yeah. Well, hold on. I know you're trying to get out of here, but. We got a Discord mailbag. Oh, yeah. Uh, what needs to happen Saturday for Tech to be fair? Well, hey, before we answer these questions, how okay. do people get into the Discord mailbag to get their questions answered on oh, the Oh, yeah, gauchos? go to uh, patreon.com slash gamblinggauchos and sign up for Patreon and then get in the Discord. And access to a bunch of exclusive interviews and cool perks like that. We we donate some of those proceeds to the Matador Club right now, 100 bucks a month. Hopefully, it'll grow even more than that, but we like to give back. Okay, let's get to the mailbag. Is there a path for Kansas to get six wins this season? Yeah. If they beat Houston or yes? I think... Because they have to win four four Big 12 games. I think the most likely outcome with Houston and Duke is that they go one and one. Three and one before the rest of Big 12 play. Could they get there? Yeah, I mean, they already won a road game in Morgantown. I mean, at this point... Could they beat TCU? Could they beat Tech? They, I still think five and seven is the ceiling. Could they beat Iowa State or Kansas State if that game is in Lawrence? I don't know if it is. They haven't played a Big Twelve home game yet. Yeah. So and they're two and zero. Not that they have some like raucous atmosphere, but it's easier than going on the road to win. Right. Uh, is Lance Leipold the best coach in the Big Twelve? Now, I do want to say your like whole thing about Matt Campbell is that he does it at Iowa State. Is doing this at Kansas being two and zero at Kansas? worth that big of a bump no the reason why i think that highly matt campbell is because he did it over he had five straight winning seasons something iowa state had not done since before the great depression who's the best coach in the big 12 gundy not sarkeesian (laughs) they almost beat alabama yeah they should hang a banner for that i think leipold if he sustains something like this at kansas I mean, yeah, he has a lot of room to grow because they're the worst program in the Power Five when he inherited that. If he does something like go to a bowl game, that's a huge accomplishment. Best and worst Big 12 uniforms this week. The list will be coming out. Uh, Baylor was number one. Oh, and I guess everybody wanted Texas and OU last every week. Yeah. Uh, just on principle, so that's where they'll be. They'll, they'll be nine and ten, and okay. the hateful eight will be one, one through eight. Good. So, so, well, then they wear the same uniform every week. Yeah, it's just an ongoing bit at this point. 
If Kirby allowed you to nix one uniform combo at Texas Tech forever, what would it be? One that we've actually worn. I, I, I don't like the white, black, white. The one we just saw, yeah. I would also nix red helmets. Forever. If I was allowed to do that instead of a uniform combo. I actually liked the one, the white, black, white. Once it was on the field, it was okay. Um, certainly not but one of have, my favorites. So you have better school colors to work with. The worst one is red, red, red. And I know you're the Red Raiders, know. but the chrome you red. You are the Red Raiders. People the, forget that. The chrome red helmet with the red uniform clashes. It's hard to screw it up when you've got the best school colors in the country. Yeah. Wear the black lids and go from there. It's really hard to mess up if you start with a black lid. So just do that. Are tacos just burritos with too much junk in the trunk? Are tacos just burritos with too much junk in the trunk? Uh, pass. You know, people like to say, it's, oh, it's a burrito if it's closed. So an open burrito is a taco, but no, it's two different things. You, a taco is like pornography. You know when you see it. Shout out to Justice Scalia yeah. for that one. Uh, aside from the offensive line, what's the biggest liability we currently have on offense? It could be a single player or position group. I don't think there is one bigger than the offensive line. Tight end usage because they've not been very productive. That's what I was. That's where I was going to go with how I framed that. Was something about tight end slash inside receiver production. We all thought Miles Price was the most dynamic player on this offense coming into the season. That has not manifested itself yet. Who's so, the leading receiver this week? So whether it's getting him more involved or using him at the same time as Nehemiah Martinez, or if you're going to play with a tight end, better utilizing them. I think that is maybe the next component. Also, if, and Do- Donovan's if, comfort is going to the sideline. Yeah. His comfort is not throwing to the tight ends over the middle. And if you do have tight ends, you know that that's part of your run blocking issues. I'd say because they're in there to obviously assist with that. And other than Taj Brooks, kind of doing a lot of that himself, you did not generate a good push on most of your run plays. For um, we answered this one earlier. Is this actually a game Matt Wells would have lost? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. He was not good. In late game situations, I saw people that were like, "Yeah, he would have lost it in crunch time." I was like, "I don't know if he would have gotten to crunch time." Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if they would have bounced back after the pick six. Best and worst thing about sitting in the press box: uh, best thing, um, the best thing is it's air conditioned and shaded and shaded. Um, you can see it's a pretty good view. I need binoculars probably next time. Struggling a little bit. Uh, the worst thing, you're working. So you miss a lot of the game. Like I'm writing stories and, and following other things. Can I ask you a question about that? Uh-huh. I know that there's obviously a threshold <clears throat> of professionalism that's to be expected up there. Oh, they're very serious. So like when we won the game, yeah, I like Dead I silent. ran down the bleachers. I'm like high-fiving people. Does anybody even so much as like fist pump or like, yes, like under their breath? Or is it all um, just business? My row is a bunch of young radio dudes and me kind of the veteran there um we got shushed in overtime wow yeah 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 and that's there's a whole wild. i would hate that there's a whole thing uh pre-game that's like under the mayor trey Payne and god above you this is a press box act like it like the guy gives it a little spiel like so i've only been yeah. up there or in that setting once and it was at a baseball game uh-huh. back when i used to write for a texas tech message board and I, I didn't get reprimanded for it, but I realized that I was sticking out. It was a really subtle, like, you know, like yes, you know, something like that. 
And I just realized nobody else around me was doing that. I threw my, I throw my hands up all the time, but I don't like a quiet. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And like, I'm sure, but I didn't get shushed. The guys beside me got shushed and I, I was right there with them. And then one of them came and shook my hand after the game because he saw, he saw I was also reacting. It's tough, but there's also like a nacho bar and popcorn that's cooked the whole time and a soda fountain and a box of golden peak tea. Like. You're not struggling for anything in the press box. It's nice to be a big Jay Journo. Yeah, it is. You know, I told uh, somebody up there that the Gauchos were technically a town square property. Might get you up there, Kyle. I don't want to. I want to go <laughs> s- get you scream and high five with strangers. <laughs> I feel like if you and I were up there, it would be less likely that I would be quiet. Should we like bring the party and just be like, screw your norms. We're going to watch well, the game how we want to watch it. Well, no, Can they like evict you? That's what they say in the little spiel. It's like physically, we will see you out, and we expect you to cooperate. <laughs> Should I do that for content? Like get evicted so that you can film it and put it on TikTok? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. Okay. Um. Nebraska's next head coach. You want to set some odds? I'm sure the odds are already out there. If there was like a prop, will that will it come from a hateful eight school? Yeah, I do think Campbell and Leipold might be pretty seriously considered. Yeah, Campbell, Leipold, and Kleiman. I, I Kleiman, think all three yeah. of those. Look, you look where Nebraska is. Nebraska can't recruit Texas anymore. Who are they recruiting? They're recruiting what Leipold is recruiting. They recruit where Buffalo was recruiting. They recruit Big Ten country. Like they recruit where Toledo recruited. They recruit where Iowa State recruited there. In that footprint. And I know so go I, get somebody who's doing it. I know fans of those schools just think it's an absolute impossibility. And perhaps it is unlikely. Maybe there's only a five percent chance that a Kleiman or Leipold leaves. But collectively, could one of those three leave and take that job? I think it's I think it's possible. So there's another question. What would you set the line at Nebraska's next coach being from the hateful eight? I mean, is it probably tough to put in the in the Favorite section, but plus 200? Well, I think Matt Campbell alone plus is going to command about plus 250, plus 350 in that market whenever it comes out. And if there's... So you combine them with Leipold and Kleiman, I'd, I'd be tempted at plus minus? 150. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't need that much juice, I don't think. Maybe just even, on that. Maybe even juice, if you just maybe. think it's going to happen. I'd probably think about it. Would Rule count? Because I think he's the next logical name to come back to the college That's level. possible. That might be a tough sell, but like even Saban wasn't doing good with the Dolphins when right. Alabama hired Some guys him. are just college coaches. Yeah, and he could just sell that say like, hey, it didn't work out in the NFL. I didn't get the support from the GM. I'm back I home needed, in the but, NCAA. But I crushed it in college, so. Michael has a negative joke um, that he would bring Cliff Kingsbury as his offensive coordinator. Um, no, he's fine. To Nebraska? Yeah. I bet Cliff's agent will put that out. Do you remember when Cliff was rumored for the OU? Our friend, job? Yeah, our friend Eric Burkhart. It's like, dude, Cliff Kingsbury is not going to go to Nebraska to try to rebuild and recruit there. Will Tech cover versus NC State? We'll answer that on Wednesday. Uh, final thoughts? Yeah, the University of Houston football program is garbage. And I don't mean play on the field. I thought they were a, a competent team with some good players. Going back to last weekend when they played UTSA, their players had to be literally separated from UTSA fans in the stands. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. You're not that guy. Um, I get it. There's a place at a live sporting event for trash talk and jawing, and I'm sure some fans were giving them the business, and they decided to give it back. It's not a good look. 
they come to Lubbock this weekend. Um, Dana doesn't bring a sledgehammer with him this time, but that's happened before. When you went to Dana's place in Morgantown, they the AC conveniently broke the day before you got there. Um, but they do. Sorry, I just dropped my phone. How many times you can drop that? Hey, today? oh, cool. We got another Patreon subscriber. The ad read must have worked earlier. Oh, nice. Um, they come here on the first drive of the game. Tech is driving. Looks like they're about to go score a touchdown. A University of Houston player runs in from the sideline, and on the broadcast, you'll notice nobody runs off the field. And so you go, okay, they either played the last play with 10, or now there's 12 guys on the field. There was 12, and so one just sits down. Houston doesn't have to use a timeout. They don't get penalized for having 12 guys on the field. Right. And they get away with it. And, yeah, do guys cramp up in the fourth quarter? Sure. 30 seconds after the last play ends in the ball spot and the guy just sits down right where he's standing and there happens to be 12 guys on the field? Uh-huh. Bullshit. And they did it multiple times. To do it on the first drive shows you the entire second half is bullshit. They did it in the second Continually. half. Continually. Hey, when you come to Lubbock, tortillas are going to wind up on the sideline. I wouldn't recommend throwing them back at the student section, but that happened. And then the play that really pissed me off. Yeah. Some guy, I don't know if he's peaked in high school, Rob Lowe, or if he's on staff at Houston. He's a not former that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. He's a former receiver. Yeah. I guess he was an undrafted free agent with the Seahawks, got cut. Again, I don't know if he's on staff or if they just let him hang around in his letterman jacket. But he's standing on the sideline. A student athlete, Donovan Smith, runs out of bounds. The play is over, off the field of play. And he decides to shoulder bump him, tries to talk shit. I don't know what he said. Uh, there was some speculation he might have spit at Donovan. I don't think that's what he's doing. I think he was just barking, yeah. kind of. Um, nobody from Houston's sideline breaks that up. It takes a state trooper. And then when the game ends, they do classic what Marcus Smart did, what A&M's athletic director did, what Rick Perry's chief of staff did when they claimed that they were being bull rushed by students in 2002 or whenever that was, and just made up some lie about how classless Texas Tech is because they're mad they lost to a team in a right. rural area Yeah, because they're big city folks and they deserve to beat little old Lubbock. And so then he says that the state troopers are being mean and tell them to go back to Houston. That's not how this works. You don't get to come to our place, treat the people like shit, um, violate you know, a pretty widespread universal code of conduct. You're basically cheating when you fake an injury. The entire game. And they did it 17 times. And then you don't get to whine that it wasn't hospitable enough when our students stormed the field well, did and that they see, didn't let you leave. Did you see how the yellow... Uh, Missed me with that. Did you see how the yellow vest tried to stop the students? So, they was didn't. It, was it that pat-down meme of the guy yes. just doing the... <laughs> it was the ole. What are they supposed to do? Nothing! Even if there's 100 of them, there's 10,000 students. Move! They can they can stop one person apiece, maybe. Get off the field. Get hey, off you the field. You don't want to get in the trap of students. Get off the field. And don't shove a player out of bounds after the play is over. Don't yeah. fake an injury. Don't jaw with the students. Don't throw stuff at the students and all that crap. Yeah. Oh, Pack I don't your mind shit. That. Take the L and well, leave. Yeah. See ya. Sorry, mom. My mom listens to this. Go! Do we still have the bleep Same out time. button? Oh yeah. Hold I on. I need it. Yeah. Yeah, this is just Kyle right now. <laughs> the bleep mother. We're just going. <laughs> Sorry, mom. It, it fires me up. It fires me up. <laughs> trying to get you on the fire. Seat. I hate when I hate when tech beats somebody and is oh classless Lubbock trash Lubbock behavior. 
take the ball and get the hell out of here. I mean, you lost. Yeah, Suck hopefully it. I got one of those good. You lost. You're not that guy, pal. I, I just... GTFO. Yeah. All it is is just big city people looking down their nose at rural people. Oh, they didn't win classy enough for me. Screw you. Yeah. Our coaches didn't shove any of your players out of bounds. Nope. We didn't fake any injuries. Nope. We didn't throw stuff at your fans. Our defensive coordinator wasn't five yards on the field when you had 12 pe- players on the, the field get telling the you to get out down. Get here. They got a... a Dana chunked his... They uh, had, what, four times yeah. more penalty yards because they're the less disciplined team? Oh, the fans weren't classy enough to us after the game. Somebody Shut had, up. Somebody asked Dana uh, uh, if... I guess the penalty yards mattered to him, and he's like, well, we were the most penalized team last year, and we were pretty good. We were the most penalized That's team Dana. three and, years hey, ago, honestly, and we sucked. I still like Dana. Like, It's hard for me to hate him. I love Dana. I never want him to be the Texas Tech head coach. You want to know, know how soft their athletic director is, too? Oh, very. I tweeted the video of his, again, I don't know if it's an employee yeah. or just... if he's Some a, guy. If he's a hanger-on, I don't know why he's on the sideline. Right. Some sort of UH personnel. I said, hey... Which one of your employees is this? And I know which one it is. There's a lot of names and pictures thrown out. I don't think it was the one that most people thought it was. He removes – so I know he saw the tweet because he removes the tag. Yeah. But he, he obviously hasn't responded. It's just soft. It's like, very soft. Just block me. Like, yeah. I know you saw this. Yes. And you're just not going to tweet anything or – it's soft as hell. I'm so glad we beat them. And I'm glad they're coming to the Big 12. We're going to beat their Finally. ass. Finally. 80% of the time when we play them over the next decade. Are you going to say the thing? Hey, what? Rob, you were right. Uh, Houston's <laughs> going to be a very good rival. I'm going to enjoy playing yeah. Houston every year. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Uh, also, <laughs> good. some Houstonian tech fans didn't like my East Texas versus West Texas tweet. Oh, yeah. It's almost Texas. Look, there's... Yeah, th- it is, but you live in Houston. There's three regions in Texas. There's yeah. I-35. East of that is East Texas. West of that is West Texas. And then I-35? Yeah. There's I-35. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. It's like the four seasons in Texas. You've got football, Christmas, spring football, and summer. Yeah. I love it. And when I say I-35, I mean there's like there's a corridor. Right. You get a threshold of 80 miles in either direction maybe, but then the rest is either East Texas or West Texas. Sure. But it's all West Texas. Yeah, I think that's the delineation people have trouble with, that it is East Texas, but it's also all West Texas. Those are my final thoughts. And people can be like, oh, it's sour grapes. You're just saying that because they're a rival. No, I never felt that way about playing a Bill Snyder K-State team. No. Or like, oh, you're just saying that because Baker Mayfield left your program. No, like I don't feel that way about Davis Webb. Some people are trash coaches, players, organizations. To me, they showed themselves to be one of those. And I'm glad you beat them. All right, I don't have any final thoughts besides that except for kudos to the band for leaning into the cactus bit. That was great. It's all West Texas. Uh, All right. Thanks, guys. Love y'all.